Paris. Pastis, zinc bars, and leather. This is how Paris smells. Well, it's how Paris smells in the mind of the lying perfumier who created the expensive candle I used to burn when I dreamed of living here, garroted high up over the boulevards and sipping a morning espresso. Standing now at one of the many junctions in the cavernous metro station of Châtelet-Léal and working out which line to join next, Paris smells mainly of piss. I'm standing in the middle of a labyrinth that stinks of piss and I don't know which exit will take me to my destination and which will lead me deeper into the bowels of this wretched underworld. In the metro car, the vacant gaze honed by years of London living serves me well. I look over the head of the mech ogling nearby women and I admire the arrangement of someone's scarf. No one does scarves like the Parisians. It's an art very few outsiders can master. They do undone and together in exactly the right balance. It's rush hour and I hang from the strap, my bag carefully stowed away from prying eyes in the crush. I catch the gaze of an older woman and she looks at me hard, her eyes narrowed and bead-like. I turn my head to look at my reflection in the darkened glass to see what she sees and it takes some time to work out which one is the face that belongs to me. It seems to take longer to recognise who I am these days. I'm lucky to have found a small apartment in the 7th. The students from the Sorbonne bustle the streets with a focused air. Young philosophe, so serious compared with the excitable internationals at the American University where I teach English. I'm also lucky to have a bathroom of my own, no shared toilet in the hallway, no shower in my kitchen, and to be on the top floor without the soundtrack of heels clacking endlessly overhead on the wooden apartment floors. I enter the building by punching in the entry code and begin the long climb up the narrow stairs, dark now in the November twilight, and I'm relieved to escape the outside chill. I close my front door and stand in the small hallway for a moment, like an animal tasting the air. I can't discern that anything has changed since I left for work this morning, but sometimes it takes a while to tell. I hang up my overcoat and leave the keys on the table. I switch on the radio and exhale as the sound of Coltrane fills the apartment, setting the mood for a visit to a club tonight. A date. Possibilities. I boil water for pasta and eat it with butter and parmesan. A glass of red. I take a quick shower and dress, pulling on trousers, heels, a shirt. My favourite shade of dark lipstick and a haze of perfume. I stop to look around and note where everything is as I leave, all in its place. Windows closed, door double locked behind me. No one can get in short of forcing an entry. I hurry down the stairs and into the waiting night. The light falls on my face from the window where I failed to close the curtains. There is no one else in my bed, so I did not return with my date. I tried to recall the events of the previous evening, unsure of how I should be feeling. 
I realised slowly that I hurt. My muscles ache. And when I move, I flinch with the shock of burning pain, a strange, gritty sensation against my skin. Groaning, I carefully pull back the covers. Mud. Mud in the bed. Coming off my skin, some still embedded in the raw grazes on my arms and legs. I have no recollection of my evening, nor of getting home. The clock tells me it's 10.15am. Thank Christ it's Saturday. A shower and some strong coffee are needed. I sigh and walk the few steps across my bedroom to the bathroom. The mirror has been smashed by what looks like my own heavy perfume bottle lying on its side in the sink, its contents leaked down the drain. On what is left of the glass, written in my lipstick, are the words, You dirty, filthy bitch. The bullet of colour is reduced to a squashed, bleeding little stump. I run to the front door. It is locked, with both the bolt shot and the chain secured from the inside. I shudder out a sigh, but refuse to cry. Carefully, I wrap the broken mirror shards in newspaper. I shower, clean my stinging wounds, and dress in the softest clothes I can find before leaving the apartment. I know the concierge is watching me from behind the glazed panel of her door. I catch her staring, a blank-eyed glare of disapproval, and she pulls away. I place the wrapped glass carefully into the communal bin, hearing a muffled chink. I feel I'm committing some violation of the unwritten apartment block rules, making one blundering British faux pas after another. I pull my coat tightly around me as I exit and hurry to the café. Un express, s'il vous plaît, et un croissant. I sit at a corner table and unshoulder my bag onto an empty seat, taking out a book requiring revisiting before I prepare a paper. The waiter places my coffee and pastry in front of me without meeting my gaze. I've never found Parisians unfriendly, but they carry a certain hauteur you either admire or receive as disdain. The coffee is strong and hot and necessary. I sit for a while making notes, refreshing my tired mind of the ideas I had for writing. The French have a tradition of barely disguised autobiographical novels, autofiction, regarded by the British as unpleasantly exposing, confessional. Reading the lightly fictionalised sexual memoirs of a female artist, I experience a sick jolt. She describes midnight sex with a line-up of men in one of Paris's several wooded parks and the haze around last night starts to clear. I was fucking somewhere in the trees near the club last night. Fucking or being fucked? I think it started with the first and then became the second, judging by my grazes. The date. I remember his smell more than the lines of his face. There was a band... We drank wine and then cognac. We started to walk to his apartment. I didn't trust my own. We passed the cemetery. All the drink, sex and death was an irresistible combination. I wanted it. I wanted to dig deep into the earth, to feel, to fuck myself back to life and remember who I was. 
I scared him at first, but then he obliged, carried away by daring, a story to be able to tell. I was on my back, being thrust harder and deeper into the earth, the mud and stones scraping at my skin as I felt myself start to be transformed, somewhere between the life in the body above me and the dead below. I could feel the hands of the dead reaching up through the ground to pull me into sweet, dark oblivion. And then he stopped. He pulled up his jeans and ran, frightened perhaps by something in my eyes, something nearby. I was left to wander home, muddied and unfinished, trailing my ghosts. A glance around the cafe, my paranoid gaze low. I am a dirty, filthy bitch. I sit for a while, undecided on what course of action to take. What if one of my students had seen me, lost to the mud, lost in my lust? I follow my instincts and decide to hide, to reset, to start again. I will cocoon with food and films and books and emerge on Monday clean in heart and mind. I will find myself again. I hope the apartment will permit this. I gather my things and pay my bill, stopping at a monoprix for provisions. Slabs of French chocolate and a bag of salted lays for comfort. The cashier frowns at the contents of my basket and I avert my eyes, playing my unsophisticated foreigner. I have wounds to lick and shame to forget. I let myself back in, casting a wary eye at the door of the watchful concierge before hurrying up the many flights of stairs to my turret at the top of this unforgiving tower. This job, this city. Such an opportunity for intellect and glamour, and I'm hiding in my apartment in Paris in a pair of stained tracksuit pants with a bag of junk. I watch one film and then another, the debris builds around my couch. At some point, I'm hungry enough to slam a meal into the microwave and nuke it, forking up salty noodles with a side of additives. I watch one empty bottle roll away across the floor, and then another. I thirst for anything that will give my days meaning, purpose, connection. This city I wanted to love keeps reminding me of my own otherness, how I stand apart so different despite speaking the right words, playing the game. But it will never let me fit. I must have fallen asleep as I come to with my head thick and dense. This film makes no sense anymore. My eyes will not focus. The room starts to slip, rolling away each time I think I have a grip on it, like an old television screen trying to find a signal. I stumble to the kitchen for a bottle of water, and again the apartment has staged its protest at its resident slut. The contents of the cupboards are strewn across the counters, the floor. The rubbish bin emptied onto the tiles, a heap of leftovers raising its stink. I am not welcome here. I move to the bedroom to seek sleep. I want to be nullified. I want to descend and be absorbed into the city of the dead that lies beneath the city of light. I take my bottle and suck on it as I fall into bed and pull the covers over my head. 
I wanted so much just to be, to be here, to know. But the method for living, for design, for purpose, constantly escapes my grip like an adjectival agreement that never quite connects and gives me away. I drift in and out of sleep, fragments of my days visiting me like hauntings, lectures I did not give, books I did not read, the clothes I wore to give myself shape, an outline I seek but can rarely find. I'm nondescript, undelineated, devoid of signifiers. There is a slippage between who I am and who I want to be. The two do not usually meet. But there, the creak on the floorboard as she starts to move around my room, the creature that wrecks and breaks and calls me by my true names. Slut, she whispers. Fake. Drunk. We are never here at the same time. Her space is in between, but something has broken. The barrier that separates us has dissolved as I try to regain my wholeness, my safety, and we're in the same place at the same time. This is so very, very wrong, and my head is hurting with the wrongness of it. I clutch at my temples, pulling at my hair. I cannot stay here while she creeps, while she is out. I hear her step into the bathroom to once again exercise her malice, and I find the bottle, and I take the pills from the table by my bed, the ones meant to keep me whole, to keep her in her place, and I steal quietly into the wardrobe. I push myself into its farthest reaches, into the dark, and I finish the drink by downing the pills, quietly, carefully, and then I sit very still. And I wait, and the darkness is total. I'm still sitting here three days later when they take my body away, down the stairs and out the door, past the concierge clutching a handkerchief to her nose. I only paid the rent for the first two months, she tells them. No one at the university knew me when she raised the alarm of my absence. My days spent dressed for work I did not do, carrying the books I did not read, the regular chink of bottles in the trash. Mornings spent moving from coffee to coffee until it became an acceptable hour to order the wine. Wanting to fit, to be whole, but always the schism between desire and satisfaction. And Paris was not the solution to my problem. Paris still stinks of piss as I make my descent into its underworld for the last time.